and welcome to the 406th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that's always able to deduce that it was the bad guys with the buyout in the selling room. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering collection management and speculation. I am your host, James Chilcott, a.k.a. at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host is Cliff Daigle, a.k.a. at Word of Commander on Twitter. And we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hello, everybody. As always, I'm looking forward to diving into all the developments of the week. But before we do, I want to remind our listeners that this show is produced by MTGPrice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Please sign up today at MTGPrice.com to plan your specs, chat on a great Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, what is on our agenda this week? We're going to lead off with the Week in Review. We've got a Grand Open Qualifier. That was our first event post-Bannings. And then we've got a Pioneer Challenge. That was also post-Banning. We've got our Top Movers Online and seg- uh, Top Movers in Paper, excuse me, online for Segment 2. Then in Segment 3, we've got the Top Movers on Magic Online. In Part 4 is our Cards to Watch, the places where we think there's some value to be gained. And then in Segment 5, our Topic of the Week is going to be talking about Ravnica Remastered, the... Uh, previews that hit today there's a lot of stuff going on in that set indeed kicking things off we will start with the metagame week in review taking a look at the grand open qualifier the first large modern tournament post the recent bannings and this was in barcelona with 700 plus players we see shardless rhinos taking the whole thing down amulet titan in second living end making a strong showing in third sixth and seventh Black Green Yogmoth in 5th, Blue Red Murktide in 8th, and a Black Red Scam list that looked like it was doing just fine without Fury finishing in 4th. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff going on here. They went with the Ragavan playset and uh, Orcish Bowmasters, and just everything looks pretty close to how it was. I didn't see any big changes, although I don't remember if Black Red Scam had the full set of fable of the mirror breaker before but it's back now and this one was also i'm sure had a great time singleton blood moon in the main if you're not ready for it in game one that'll just wreck your face so hard depending on what you're playing yeah over in the pioneer challenge on friday december 8th over on magic online blue red arc light taking it down not murktide Black Red Midrange in second with three Smuggler's Copter and three Inti Seneschal of the Sun. That's a 2-2 Human Knight. Whenever you attack, you may discard a card. Whenever you do, you put a plus one, plus one counter on target attacking creature. It gains Trample until end of turn. And then whenever you discard one or more cards, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card until your next end step. Seems like a very nice aggro card to add to the mix in Black Red Midrange. They've also got Lotus Field in third, Blue-White Control in fourth. The Amalia Combo deck, uh, the Life Gain deck, with four Amalia, four Gilded Goose, and four Collected Company, along with four Court of Calling, if I'm not mistaken. 
in fifth, Blackwood Midrange again in sixth and seventh, both running four copies of Copter. The sixth place list also had the three copies of Inti. And then the eighth place list was a mono black brew with one Aklazots, the uh, nasty black mythic from Lost Caverns of Ixalan. That Amalia combo is just hilarious. They're going to be left behind. They don't have. They don't generally have a way to give it haste, but they want to hit Amalia, Wild Growth Walker, and then Dino. Right? Yeah. That's the combo to instantly win. That sounds about right. Yeah, that's cool. I like a I like a three card I win unless you can interrupt me immediately combo. Throwing on over to segment two, top paper movers will kick things off with Cursed Totem, a card that's definitely been under pressure lately. We talked about uh, another version of this card. I think the foils from uh, Modern Horizons two, and now we see the original Mirage copy starting to dry up, going thirteen to eighteen, thirty nine percent gains there. Flesh Duplicate Extended Arts out of Doctor Who, 9 to 13, that's 45%. Elven Chorus Scroll Non-Foils going 275 to $4 out of the recent Lord of the Rings holiday release, also 45%. Tamiyo's Safekeeping, a flagged uh, foil uncommon from Neon Dynasty going 250 to $4, that's 60% gains there. Very good uh, protective spell in EDH and infect style strategies. Beast Within Surge Foils that are Doctor Who 7 to 13, part of the constant targeting of Surge Foil cards, 85% gains. Then we have Return to the Ranks at an M15. That is a Amalia combo card going $1.50 to $3. But actually, since I made up this list, I think the lowest price copies are now closer to 10 on TCG Player, if I'm not mistaken. So that's uh, well over five or 600% gains. I went ahead and immediately dug out my 50 cent copies from five or six years ago, hoping to out those anything near 10 per copy would be fantastic. Yeah, they have spiked real hard. And even the cheapest ones on TCG player are lightly played for $10 with shipping included. So list away, buddy. We've also got Scavenged Brawler, Old Borders out of BRC. I had to look up what this card does. Uh, $3.50 to $7, 100% gains. That's out of the Brothers War uh, CVs. Smuggler's Copter out of Kaladesh, foils 7 to 18, 157% gains. No huge surprise there, given the unbanning. Exotic Orchard Extended Art out of Doctor Who, the foils 350 to $9, 157%. I uh, bought a bunch of Surge Foil Exotic Orchards out of Japan last week, so hopefully... These will get propped up on a new plateau to give me some space to maneuver out. Triumph of St. Catherine, 40k, uh, 7 to 20. I thought this might be EDH momentum, but I decided to look it up. And it's actually been showing up in legacy decks that are Beanstalk brews as a 3 or a 4 of. Because it counts as a high casting cost card for the Beanstalk, even though you can Merica a little off, off the top of your deck for 2 mana. And the miracle is such a cheat on this because of the way that it works. When it dies, you shuffle it back into your top six. And so you're only a turn or two away from hitting it again, drawing a card again. And if you've got two or three copies in your deck, you don't mind having one put itself back into your library that way. Especially in a, for- especially in a format with Brainstorm and Ponder. Yeah, you're going to dig through that real quick. And Oh, look, it's on top. Who knew? Troll of Kazadoom Scroll Foils was one of my picks a few weeks back. Uh, called to go 3 to 8 or something like that. They're currently at $10, so it looks like that was on the money. 
We've also got Galta Primal Hunger Foil Etch at a Commander Masters going $450 to $15. That's a dino hype driving that, but it's also uh, a bit of a, a flag up the pole for me on foil etched rares and mythics out of Commander Masters in general. There aren't that many of almost any of them uh, sitting around already, even though that set just came out. So we're certainly going to be talking about some of those more today and in future episodes, I'm sure. Smuggler's Copter non-foils out of the Neon Dynasty Commander deck, 2 to $9, 350% gains there, as the biggest gainer of the week on the unbanning in Pioneer. You are, real quick for the audience, with the unban, with the hype, you're selling your Smuggler's Copters, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're in high demand, but they'll they'll find a reason to reprint them now. Like, they'll, be a, they'll, they'll put them right. in another secret layer or something. There will be more smugglers' copters coming, so any spares you have at home, I would be working hard to get rid of. I mean, for all we know, they put it into the Western set that's coming out in the spring. Sure. The uh, wilder things have happened. They could do like a steampunk Western copter thing that's smuggling goods across the desert and make it work. With Outlaws of Thunder Junction, yeah. everything is on the table, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't remember. What was that terrible Will Smith Western comedy Wild movie? Wild West, and how dare you impugn Kenneth Branagh at his very best, sir. <laughs> it feels like that's the kind of vibe they'll end up going for with uh, Thunder Junction, but I guess we'll see. Top Magic Online Movers of the Week, Blight Step Pathway out of Cal Time, 4.28 ticks to 8.49, almost 100% gains on Black Red Pioneer usage, I would imagine. Dranith Magistrate out of Ikoria, 4.57 to 9.26, that's 102% gains. This doesn't allow things to come into play that were not paid for, right? I believe this is, you can only cast spells from your hand. Uh, your opponents can't Let's cast spells from anywhere other than their right. hands. So no discover, no cascade, right. no exactly. command zone, nothing like that. Makes sense. Blooming Marsh out of Kaladesh, 1.98 ticks to 4.59. That's 130% gains. That's almost certainly the Amalia combo wanting copies of Blooming Marsh in their decks, I would imagine. Moving on over to cards to watch. Moving through this uh, this list quickly this week. I'm looking at Lotho Corrupt Sheriff. This is a card that has been good in pretty much every EDH game I've ever seen it played in, which anytime I'm playing against white-black seems to be pretty much every game. It's a 2-1 for white and a black, halfling rogue out of the Lord of the Rings set. Whenever a player casts their second spell each turn, you lose life and create a treasure token. That happens a lot. You end up with a lot of treasure tokens. And then in decks like Aloro, you don't care at all about the life loss. And it's just one of the five or six cards in white that have these taxing effects that the table might feel bullish about countering for the first couple turns. And then eventually they just give up because there's just too, either too many of them going on or they decide they have to proceed with their own game plans or the it gets too late in the game and they're worried about other things. So... Had a close eye on this from the get uh, in midsummer, and now that we know that it's, you know, they're going to keep Lord of the Rings in print as long as they can. But as far as we know, there's not going to be any additional printings of the CBs. The surge foils are currently around three dollars, which is has been a fairly steady low since about late October, and we got 118 listings, so there's no like huge rush. 
But this is in a 33,000 decks on EDH Rec already in the first six months. That's 11% of all black-white decks. And looking over the top 20 commanders of the last month, 25% of them are black-white. This is probably the last mm. fancy print of this card for a long while, and it's not going to be an easy card for them to throw into things like secret layers in the next few years because of the licensing. So I would imagine this Surge Foil version of Lotho eventually gets targeted by the same people that are targeting all the other Surge Foils, and I won't be at all surprised in, within 18 months to see this go 3 to $10. 3 to 10 sounds pretty right. My only concern about picking this card right now is that there is the Showcase Scrolls version from the Holiday Edition. There's only 57 vendors who have this card in foil right now in the, I'm sorry, in the Showcase Scrolls Edition. So I see what you're saying about the Surge Foil. We've proven that we really, we really like Surge Foil. It's just that I would want the Lotho's numbers to be lower in the showcase. I want that to sell out more before I start getting in other copies because, you know, we, we don't want to be buying one when there's a cheap, another cheap and sweet-looking version just right there ready to be uh, plucking away some of our value. But this is, this is good. I didn't realize that the inclusion numbers were so dang high on this card. Everybody wants to play a, a black-white deck. I don't really care whether they get the foil extended art or the showcase scroll foils. Uh, it is uh, worth that you pointed out that there's even less of the scroll foils. They're selling at about a pretty similar pace, one, two, three copies a day, which is very reasonable. And even with their combined listings, it's not going to take that long for these to drain out at that sales pace. And That's true. And then they're just going to kind of naturally slide up the ramp until somebody decides to bite off 30 or 40 copies and really pushes the issue. I'm with you on that. I, I do love a card to uh, to hit a good, you know, two and a half times its original. That's a that's a lovely pick. I'm, I'm with you on that. This is also one of the ones where if you're just going to grab a couple of copies to dabble, you're not going to be disappointed if you're playing ADH because you'll always find a home for these. This is this is it's exactly what you said. People are like, ah, get your treasure. I don't care that much. And the next thing you know, you've got eight extra treasure, and you're doing something ridiculous to the board. Good job. Well, yeah. I mean, if you have an academy manufacturer and this and play in the food deck, then things get out of control in a hurry. No, no. That's anything with academy manufacturer is going to get out of hand in a hurry. Let's just establish that as a given. What's your first selection this week? My first pick this week, uh, I've been looking at uh, soldiers and humans, uh, looking at how Commander Mustard really wants soldiers to be good. Almost all the amazing soldiers are also humans, but one of the most ridiculous human soldiers is from the very first uh, Universes Beyond, The Walking Dead, uh, Rick the Steadfast Leader, who got the reprint into... Um, Greymond, Avacyn's Steadfast, uh, something or other. So there are two versions of this card. One is all foil from the Secret Lair. That's the the Walking Dead version. And then there's the reskinned version that got put into list copies for a while. And this is currently available around forty-two dollars, give or take. And it's not doesn't have huge EDH rec numbers. It's only in thirty-four hundred decks. I think that's mainly due to availability because the card is still selling you know 
three copies a day or so, give or take, and people don't necessarily want to chew, uh, shell out a lot of money for an expensive card like this, but if you're building a deck that's chock full of human tokens and soldier tokens, this guy is redonkulous at what bonuses he gives out. Uh, it's two white-white for a 3-4. When he comes into play, choose two abilities from among First Strike, Vigilance, and Lifelink. All your humans have those abilities. So that's just a given that you're upgrading with those two abilities. Plus, if you have four or more humans, all humans you control get plus two, plus two. So the tokens are going to get out of hand real fast. I am anticipating that when Commander Mustard becomes available for everybody's use, that that red-white soldier's deck, mostly human's deck, will go crazy, and that Rick will go from somewhere around 42 right now to around $70 as he gets picked up. The other way to look at this one is that the Secret Lair uh, Walking Dead drop itself is available on tcg player for about 85 so oh yeah if rick is going to end up taking up the bulk of that then you might just want to buy the whole the whole thing certainly people that bought walking dead secret layers should have them up for sale because they were in at 40 or 50 i can't remember what what the price point was on the on that particular drop it might have had a premium but there's, there's certainly uh, a modest but solid profit margin to be had there rick at 40s to go to low 70s on the basis that a commander may or may not take off is is a tricky one for me given that it's it's got relatively low numbers on edh rack that said it is amazing whether or not it's that commander at some point a human's base commander will take off and this will be an auto include and again because of licensing it's it, They've already given us the the reprint of it, and I would imagine that might get left alone for years at this point. Yeah, I don't see them doing a lot of that. It's not like there's a lot of copies of Greymond to be had, uh, obviously in Stalwart. And it's really funny to me that the Secret Lair version is only available in foil, and the reskin is only available in non-foil. It just really, you got to decide which one you want, and I, I think that the foil one is always what people are going to crave. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, my second selection this week is one of the foil-etched mythics from Commander Masters. Again, only came out six months ago, not even. But these are already down to 26 listings. And you can pick up a foil-etched Crater Hoof Behemoth at about $26, $27, $28 on TCG Player and elsewhere. I will not be surprised at all when these go 30-ish to 45 to 50-ish in the next 12 to 18 months if it can dodge a reprint. And there's no really obvious place for that to take place now. We don't have another big commander focus set planned. So the two kind of persistent risks apply. It's just secret layers and whatever subsets are attached to standard sets uh, for the most part. That being said, they've already done this in a secret layer. It was uh, one of the charity drop uh, layers, but frankly, the art on that, though cute, was not particularly compelling. The foil etched is therefore the best-looking version of this card that's ever existed, and probably the rarest. And, you know, something like Rick is tricky because it's under 5,000 DH rack, but this is an 107,000 DH rack with right. an 11% inclusion rate over a decade plus. So it's a it's a known quantity. It's really good in green decks that want to attack and has finished plenty of games that I have been party to. 
you know, it, it is the, oh, eight mana, are we, are we over? Is it done? Okay, great, let's move on. Uh, there are other foil versions out there, but it, you, like you said, it's, it's exactly that problem where the secret layers are not that visually appealing. Uh, you've got the Avacyn Restored original foils for $117. Modern Masters foils are in the 60s, and then you've got this for 30 which is clearly the cheapest shiny version and is really hard to argue with. Like, why would I buy the regular one for 25 when I can get the foil etched with the sweet frame? And it's really the only special frame. Even the secret layers were in the, the regular frame. So yeah. this... See, what did you pick it to hit 45? Oh yeah, 45 seems real easy to do unless they surprise us with, um, you know, it being a special guest or something in some set. But like you said, that's just kind of where we are in this point with magic. You just never know when they might decide to double tap this into another secret layer. Yeah, it, it could be show up in a secret layer in six months or it could go two to three years without another printing. The... Eventually, they should do a cool borderless where it's like this thing head on charging towards the viewpoint. Um, right. Honestly, it should just be like a. Oh, with a bunch of animals around it. I was thinking more it would be. Do you remember the original Shiv and Dragon art with Melissa Benson where the dragon is stepping on you? Mm hmm. It should be something like that. Like you just got stepped on. That's all there is to it. You got squished flat and you're time to move on with your life. Yeah. As it were. Sure. Bottom line, there will be a cool borderless of this somewhere down the road. We just don't know where. In the me- in the meantime, yeah. there's probably some money to be made. Absolutely. 30 to 45 is a very, very safe uh, choice on this as long as nothing too crazy happens. All right. How about your last selection here? My other pick this week is based on the Merfolk hype that's been going on. And the Merfolk precon in Lost Caverns of Ixalan uh, has almost all of the amazing Merfolk that you would want. But it doesn't have one of the big enablers for Merfolk. And I suspect this is just because it's a card that hasn't gotten enough notice lately. Because there's no reason for the EDH rec numbers to be as low as they are right now. Uh, But it is very specialized to Merfolk decks. But it is a card that should be in every Merfolk deck, period. I'm talking about Sea Hunter. The rare from Invasion that was reprinted in the list. For two and two blue, as a mercenary 2-2, three tap, search your library for a merfolk card, and put that card into play, then shuffle. It is one mana more than Demonic Tutor to just straight up put the card in play. It is ridiculous, and it doesn't have the inclusion numbers you'd think it would, but you can find copies of this it was like a dollar rare before uh lost caverns of Ixalan came out we're down to 26 listings on the list versions where we've got more copies of the actual invasion card but i'm picking the i'm sorry nemesis is what it's from but uh all of them they're around four dollars fifty and i'm picking them to hit a double up sometime in the next six months as the price goes up we've had it go from a dollar card to four dollars and there have been some direct copies that have sold at seven already on the list versions uh you will not find a foil version of this it's just too expensive being from you know 2003 or whenever the heck nemesis was uh the foils are just too hard to find and i don't advocate for that there's only 
five foils available on no, five near mint foils available right now. But I would say go for the regular ones, the non foils. Those are much more likely to go four fifty to ten than the foils to go thirty odd dollars to sixty or eighty. The thing is that it was ne- it wasn't exciting to put a merfolk into play when most of them cost one or two. But right. s- since they've done the Ixalan sets, there's a bunch of relevant merfolk at four, five, and six. I was thinking a prime speaker at like seven mana, but yes. Yeah. So so there's there's more targets. And uh, th- this really boils down. It's not that this card doesn't belong in all the merfolk deck getting built right now. It's a question of whether the market will take notice and chase the card down. Because if they don't, then it's just going to sit right where it is. I just can't imagine buying a commander deck. I mean, it, it speaks to, you know, how people play commander and how people find out about upgrades for their decks. Like if I had this in a trade binder, I would bring it to uh, my local store every time and I'd find that Merfolk player and be like, hey, guy, this is the card you need to have. You know, but you're right that they, they, they're just not finding this card. They put every other amazing Merfolk in, but not this one. The third most popular commander right now is a Merfolk commander. It's Hackball. And so the question is, right. just, you know, how many Hackball decks are running this? And if we look at Sea Hunter on EDH Rec and cross-reference it against Hackball, it's in 16% of Hackball decks, which is too low for my liking. You'd really want that percentage to be over 50. It should be. It should be like 90. I don't understand at all. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be just a, this card was from Nemesis in the list, and nobody knows it exists. Nobody knows it exists. Although enough people know to have pushed the price from a dollar a few months ago to, you know, $4 now. True. All right, let's move on over to the Ravnica Remastered reveals. There was a stream uh, this afternoon, I think it was about 1 o'clock p.m. EST, and they showed off a whole bunch of the cards that are going to be in the forthcoming Ravnica and Ravnica-related reprint set that we're getting early in Q1 2024. Bunch of, I mean, this is because the set is defined by the plane, there's not a lot of surprises here. There are There are some... You know, some art here that impresses me. I think they've been doing a pretty good job with the art subsets lately. Call out Nicol Bolas Dragon God as a relevant mythic reprint. They moved Cloudstone Curio from rare to mythic and gave it some really nice art. Savra, Queen of the Golgari, getting a reprint. Karlov of the Ghost Council getting a reprint. Ilharg, the Razeborer, getting really nice borderless art. Ral Zarek gets some cool anime art. Uh, notably, the Japanese alt art animes from War seem to be safe. There was some question as to whether or not they would dare to reprint those here, and it looks like they decided to bail on that and just pay to get new anime art done, which is, I think, uh, good all the way around, because if you like this new more cartoony style, cool. If you like the original War alt arts, then and you've been collecting them, you don't have to worry too much about their values. Domri Red, Tesa Orzov Scion, that Chromatic Lantern borderless art is very, very nice. I was going to say, Chromatic Lantern, is this about to be its second round in Serialized? Because it was in Brothers War? Yeah. That sounds right. Okay, so this will be our, our first one to see if people get mad about having a second round of a, the same card Serialized. That's a really nice version, and probably is going to look fantastic in foil. 
So I think they're serializing the retro frames is what they said. Oh, so not the borderless ones don't have don't have serial? I believe that so they showed us uh three car they showed us the Niv Mizzet, Perun, Birds of Paradise, and Steam Vents right. all in retro rainbow foil serialized. That's gonna be a shame on some of these borderless because the, the superior oh, it is. the superior art is almost universally on the borderless cards here. <laughs> the uh they showed us Infernal Tutor, Prime Speaker Zagana, Court of Calling blazing archon tide spout tyrant with new art in, in borderless uh they showed us cyclonic rift with hilarious art where a cow is getting thrown up in the sky i don't remember cows being part of the <laughs> the infinite uh city plane of ravnica but i guess it's a big enough place that they could have a cow district i mean sure his cows got if you want a hamburger in ravnica there's got to be a cow spark double Catching a timely reprint, Liliana Dreadhorde General, Priest of Forgotten Gods, really nice Arclight Phoenix uh, borderless art, which is completely unnecessary because I'm pretty sure we got some of that for the 30th anniversary countdown kits last year. Mm-hmm. Hellkite Tyrant, Protean Hulk, Golgreek Grave Troll. The Is that the only card to ever be banned and unbanned twice in Modern? I think uh, Life from the Loam has been banned and unbanned a couple of times too, but I I suspect you're right about Golgari Tra- Grave Troll being the only one. They showed us really cool hybrid uh, retro frame for Deathrite Shaman that I think, yeah, is the, think is the first time they've done a frame like that. Uh, Lavinia, Azorius Renegade, getting an unnecessary reprint, Sphinx's Res- Revelation. Teferi Time Raveler was moved up to Mythic, which makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, they need that here. Karn the Great Creator was just banned in Pioneer, so that's an unfortunate mythic reprint. The big one that we were talking about, I mean, uh, before the cast we were talking about it, uh, we haven't seen doubling season yet. Uh, that was number one on my personal list of cards I expected to see, and I don't really care that they did doubling season three times, four times in 2023. This is going to be a set that should have it. If you're going to talk about Ravnica's greatest hits, this is the, the most casually appealing card of all time, and I'm expecting to see it. The border of the Shocklands are pretty cool. They, they, they show Ravnica rebuilding those locations after their battle with Nicobolus, which is pretty neat. Um, retro versions of Thespian Stage, Maze's End, Karn's Bastion, Enter the Infinite, Pack Rat, Borderless is pretty cool. It's got a That's big, a neat pack rat, yeah. Big screaming rat on top. That's cool. Uh, Retro Supreme Verdict Niv Mizzet the Fire Mind, I believe, is the promo. Niv Mizzet Reborn is in here naturally, and Niv Mizzet Perun gets new borderless art. Uh, Bruvac the Grandiloquent, the Mill Doubler, gets his first major reprint. He's got a anime version as well. Mizzix Mastery, Divine Visitation, Gideon Blackblade, Assemble the Legion, Blind Obedience, Cryptgast, Masker Girl, Advara Hellkite. Yeah, at least two dragons I'm going to have to chase down in Serialized. Nice. Udvara and, and the Hellkite Tyrant. I'm, I'm going to have to get it. Nice Guardian Project Art. Man, there's going to be some... Uh, there's going to be a swingy set to open if uh, you've got 64... 
64 different cards that are in uh, X out of 500. Uh, one of our Discord members pointed it out. We know exactly how many uh, booster packs that is if they're saying 1%. Well, so how many uh, collector booster packs it is? How many collector booster packs? Yes, and it, and it turns out that it was it was roughly about the same as the original printing for Lord of the Rings hol- uh, pre-holiday edition. Yes, around three point two million. So that's where we're at on that, and we'll be once they do the whole set, then I will uh, put out the article get, breaking down the math and what your chances are individually i mean one percent uh to get a serialized card is good to know but that means 99 percent of the packs are not going to have a serialized card and we need to know what's going to be in those because man i'm gonna like if your mythic is going to be an aurelia exemplar of justice that's that's going to be a little rough the other thing i flagged in the collector article today was that the it looks like Shocklands have a higher than usual chance of showing up because there are multiple slots in the collector boosters where they can do so. Right. I saw that too. I wanted to be able to break that down in in detail because they gave us a lot of information. One of the things they did say, if it has multiple variations, it will appear less often in a specific slot, but will maintain the same rarity across the booster to reduce mass duplication within boosters. Now, Shocklands, there's a whole slot in draft and boosters for uh, mana producers so it's a land a guild gate a shock land or a chromatic lantern if i remember correctly but uh, they are aware of how easy it would be with you know 15 different variations of shock lands right now how easy it would be to have too many shock lands out there i mean they haven't been out of print for all that long given that we got them in an unset just last year a lot of people you know, some people gravitate towards the space art, others the opposite. The new art across the board, both the borderless versions with new art and the retro versions are quite cool and I think will be preferred. I had all my shocks up for sale months ago, as was the the prevailing wisdom, and that should pay off properly. I would imagine this is the kind of set where if you're cracking it, you have a chance of doing okay if you are pulling the key cards and selling into hype in the first couple weeks and then given how pre-orders have been reported by vendor partners versus how many we know were printed there's got to be discounted versions uh or boxes of this set that'll be available in the second half of 2024 yeah patience is gonna pay off well you're either like you said gonna get paid early or you're gonna wait on it and uh, get what you need at a much more reasonable time. Like, there's going to be, with the the sheer number of serialized stuff running around, we're going to see a real test for how what the market can bear in terms of these serialized cards. Because, yes, it's true that you can get a serialized Cyclonic Rift, and that'll be neat. Uh, but how much market is there going to be for serialized life from the loam? I mean that one. Is, that one is still worth enough in, say, your Lord Windgrace and Lands Matters decks. That I would say there's a market for it, but there will certainly be some stuff in here that, like, Massacre Girl. Probably, if, yeah. if, if there's a serial of that, that's not going to be sought after. <laughs> yeah, Bor- Borberigmos enraged anybody? Yeah, 
Yeah, so the other weird thing here is if the set really doesn't sell very well, we know from prior experience and reporting that Wizards has a tendency to destroy product that doesn't sell well. So when cereals are evenly distributed through said product, if they destroy half of it, and you're chasing, say, 007s, like I I like to with the cereals, um, that card just might not exist. <laughs> that card might get destroyed or end up in a warehouse rotting for years. That does seem like a like a possibility where we're really we know that if you don't have enough it's not enough to make something rare you know we saw that with uh dominary united where they put the legends cards in but your odds were so ridiculously low of getting something good that people just didn't care it wasn't worth it and so they know that there's a a lower limit to this and i think they're trying to find out where it is because 64 different serialized to 500 like that's especially if this is the second go round with chromatic lantern you know when if it's not that unique then it's really not that unique yeah i i'm of, very much of the opinion that i i would have just picked 20 cards to and pick the best 20 cards to offer in serial and then if you still feel the need to issue the same number of total serials then just boost it like one one of a thousand cyclonic rifts is going to be better than one of 500 and some trash rare there's that too i'm also uh still super salty about the fact that serialized except for the five praetors that they did in uh that was march of the machine they or was it all will be one whichever one it, it was it was march uh, of the machine it was mom yeah, so they did unique art for the serialized there, and they haven't gone back to that. And this felt like a really great opportunity to do something really unique, and they just didn't. So, boo, I disapprove highly. Yeah, it, it's weird. I mean, it's tough to commission 64 more pieces of art, because that's like six figures worth of spend. But if they were only doing 10 or 20... And they just let them have lower drop rates. I think that would be fine. Because the thing is, like, we were talking about this pre-cast, about how people parse lottery odds so poorly anyway, that the difference between True. 6%, 2%, 1%, 0.03% is trivial in terms of how it motivates purchase. We know this because all you got to do to figure it out is look at what happened with Lord of the Rings this summer. It was the most successful set of all time, or neck and neck for that title, because people were chasing a one of one, which was literally impossible to find. Because I had already hidden it in a store in Toronto and had my buddy pick it up. Don't say things <laughs> like people listen. Don't do that. Just don't. You get enough uh, crap from all sorts of corners mm. of the internet without you trying to say things like that, James. I'm not. I'm not here for the number of hate mail that'll come to our email addresses on that. Took a long time to convince Posty to. Pretend to buy it. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) All right. I think that's enough for right now. We'll probably have the final reveals next week and we can give our final judgment on this set. But uh, where can folks find you online, my friend? You can find me online at Twitter, at Word of Commander, or my articles every Friday on mtgprice.com. 
And you folks can find me on Twitter at MGG Critic, as well as via my occasional articles on MGGPrice.com and my constant haunting of the ProTrader Discord. I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the MGGPrice.com ProTrader service for just $7.99 a month or $109.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MGG finance minds in the business, low-cost group buys, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Please use a promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your entire order and support this podcast. That's it for this week, James, but here we go with even more. Should have at least one, maybe two episodes left to finish up the year, including our year-end review, where we're going to go over all of our specs from middle of 2023 back to middle of 2022 and see how we're doing in this era of reprints. Thank you, Cliff. Thank you to our listeners, and we will see all of you next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.